The Start On Demand. On demand. Don't drive yourself to the hospital if you're having a heart attack. It might sound like common sense, but it happens a lot more than it should. We'll speak to a doctor at St. Boniface Hospital. For Breakfast with the Bombers, today we spoke with the newly acquired Bryant Mitchell. We celebrated Black History Month with our friend A.Y. the Senator from Africanad. And Greg had a recent near miss on Chief Pegwis Trail. So today we discussed your near misses, the ones that you luckily and thankfully got away with unscathed. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, February 23rd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Text message from Gary, who texts us a picture every morning when he's out walking his dog. He always calls us smarters based on, what was it, USA Today that called us uh, the smart start? That's correct. Uh, So he calls us, good morning, smarters. One day above zero and grass patches are already showing in the field. I noticed that yesterday, just even right outside here at 201 Portage, uh, one of the... Just in the the foyer, or not the foyer, but in the that sort of courtyard, there's one massive patch of grass. It got it's pretty incredible. hot yesterday. Yeah, and you could hear the sound of running water, right? Almost as in certain places that you would go as it was going into the drains. And there's two things I thought of. One, all this work that went into these outdoor rinks, in some ways, I kind of hope it cool, cools, cools down a bit mm-hmm. so we can have a few more weeks to those outdoor rinks, Brett. But then also it made me realize, you know, first of all, it was warm yesterday. But then I thought, man, did we hardly have any snow to begin with? Yeah. Yeah, like we really did not get a lot of snow this year. And I also want to mention this too, and this is not a complaint. It might sound like a complaint. It's not a complaint. It's just a statement of something I noticed. But on my walk home yesterday, like it was already so warm to the point where when I got home, I felt kind of overheated. You know, I've gotten so used to it, especially after like going from minus 30 a week and a half ago to I think it was four degrees by the time I got home, making its way to to six degrees. So, yeah, it got hot fast. I think all the snow on my front street, at least in my section of the bay, is gone. Uh, You mentioned the running water, Loren. It was unmistakable. I happen to have a house that faces south, and I'm pretty good at shoveling to the concrete. Haven't been as good this winter because I've not been in charge of the shoveling and we haven't had that much snow, but my driveway is essentially snow and ice free now. It was a bizarre day. We were supposed to get rain, were we not? It was in the forecast. It was the possibility of rain. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we, uh, I don't think we got any rain, but it was uh, certainly a beautiful day. I even went to Dairy Queen yesterday to get my first blizzard of the year. The Dairy Queen on Henderson Highway, they always open February 14th. And I tried to get there on the day that it opened, but it was a little too cold for ice cream on the 14th. So yesterday was my first blizzard, and oh, man, was it good. Never too cold for ice cream. That's no. a good point. Agreed. Though it is, some days it is harder than others. A drive through putting you're sticking your hand out, and then you're in the car, and you're like, so, so good. <laughs> so good. Like, you're almost convincing yourself at that stage. But, you know, like, we, I think a lot of people were exclaiming about the weather yesterday. Today, we want to take the conversation about that snow, Brett, because there are different uh, forecast models that are showing that Manitoba, depending on which part you're in, is either in a moderate to severe drought. And we know last year was the driest in Winnipeg, or driest Winnipeg year on record. And so... You know, it's a serious business for people, not just for snow clearing or for downhill skiing or for all the for all the sporting events that go along with snow. But then, of course, for our farmers who rely on that snowpack. So, yeah, it is dry. It feels wet right now. Right. With the water going into all the drains. But it's technically a super dry year. Yeah, I, I remember and you mentioned the farmers as well. I remember there was that one fall and I can't remember what year, if it was 2014 or 2015. But there was one fall where it felt like it just never stopped raining in November. The month of November was just so damp and depressing and gloomy. And I remember trying to walk to work and being, ah, this is so gross. But that ended up being, 
huge for the farmers the following year because all that moisture went way into the ground. Correct. And uh, the farmers had a great year because of it. Yeah, and actually saved them. I remember doing several interviews on that, Brett, the following spring and the, the notion that all the moisture we got in November was really a godsend. And when you look at the rivers, the province sent out their notification yesterday that they're going to begin breaking up the ice on the Red River uh, north of Winnipeg between Selkirk and Lake Winnipeg as they do every year. And I'm looking at the river across the Red River several times every day and it's like, I don't know if I've ever seen it lower and so that always raises a, a concern. Obviously, the level of the river is something that we keep an eye on, in particular in the springtime. But I can honestly say, Loren, I don't remember it ever being this low. Well, I had gone for a skate on the river trail, I want to say about a month ago now at least. And Brett, you probably noticed this just in your walks because I know you, know you use the river sometimes as your path, right? Your trail to, to get to and from home. You must notice how far down you are compared to previous years in that journey. And even just when you go and try to see the legislature buildings, when you stand uh, below them on the Assiniboine, you're really looking up from that distance. There's a lot of bank there. Yeah, it feels like you're in a real valley down there on the river trail. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat and, and uh, I like it, but it also makes me wonder with the drought and the rivers being low and all this stuff, another thing to that it's eventually going to cause or be cause for concern is wildfire season too. If it, if it continues to be this dry, because I know we got an email from the province a couple of uh, a few days ago, it was re- relating to Manitoba Wildfire Service staff receiving certificates of appreciation following support to Australia. But I saw the word wildfire and thought I didn't think I'd have to see that for a couple of months. But those are the kinds of things that we'll have to keep in mind if this drought continues. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, there are growing calls from the airsoft industry to reverse the new federal gun bill. Yeah, instead of fighting crime, replica gun enthusiasts are worried the bill will not only destroy what they call a safe sport, they're concerned it could shut down the business and businesses across the country. So Global's Joe Scarpelli spoke with several of them yesterday and brings us this story. It looks like a real-life video game. The edited on-screen graphics make it real convincing. If you play Call of Duty, stuff like that, it's basically real-life Call of Duty. What they're using to shoot each other are called airsoft guns, essentially toy guns that look like the real deal. The worst you'll get is a little red mark on your skin at the end of the day that goes away after a couple days. Daniel Gostelski is representing Manitoba in a national effort to reverse Bill C-21. Airsoft enthusiasts across the country are concerned with the wording of the new federal gun bill that could prohibit replica firearms and specifically mentions airsoft guns. An online petition against the bill is also growing. It would end uh, hundreds of businesses and thousands of jobs across the country. Last week, Winnipeg police chased down a man believed to be armed with a gun and found this replica. You can't tell. There is simply no way to tell. And the wrong decision will get somebody killed. While police didn't specifically comment on the airsoft industry or the bill, Winnipeg's police chief recently tweeted about the topic, saying, In 2020, WPS seized 215 replica guns that were used to commit crimes. Maybe Bill C-21 is on to something. But unlike criminals, enthusiasts say they just want to have fun. We uh, want to save our sport. That's that's our main, main focus. The Department of Justice hasn't responded to a request for comment. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. Yeah, I'm not the best person to comment on this because I've never understood. With I have lots of friends who like paintball and like these activities. So, you know, forgive me for coming across as a, a little bit of a quote-unquote a softy on this one. I just have never understood the attraction for imitating war or imitating crime. I've never been into those gun games personally. Uh, but I do understand that a lot of people really like it and they like it a lot. And uh, there's got to be a compromise here somewhere, Brett. I think it's, for those who are into it, it's just, it's exciting. I remember going to, uh, we were, a bunch of us at the radio station here were invited out to Paintball Paradise. They do like this Halloween evening themed paintball night. So I guess it's rare that they do it in the dark at night. So we showed up. And we were all clearly newbies. And when we walk into this room, we see people in the full regalia. They're wearing their camouflage and they've got like double-barreled shotguns on their back and and uh, 
they it was like they could smell the blood in the water. It was <laughs> they were like piranhas. They they saw all these rookies coming in, but they were so excited about it and so passionate about it. And it is it's a thrill out there. I will admit, you said you're a softy. I'm a definite softy. I did not like getting hit with the paintballs. I'm a huge wimp. I don't want to get hit with yeah. And with these airsoft, they're real pellets. At least the paintball ones explode. I don't know which one is worse. Uh, so that's not for me, but it is. Absolutely thrilling when you get out there and you hear these things whizzing past your head. Um, so maybe they could just make it look less real, you know? Like, is there a way to just change the colors? Because some of those those airsoft, the the concern from police and others is that it's hard to tell in the moment when they're out there on the street. So, is there a way to, as you said, compromise, Brett? Like, if they just I don't know, painted them with SpongeBob SquarePants stickers or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> They just look so real. That's right. I think I I had, uh, going back to the 90s, I think I had a bright neon green and pink water gun. So, I don't know, maybe you could do that. Now, Greg, I guess this is about a week and a half ago now. You were pretty shaken up by something that happened to you on Chief Pegasus. What went down? Well, I was going southbound on Lajamodier, and then I took the merge, not the yield, the merge onto Chief Pegasus Trail westbound. And I'm, uh, I, I try to accelerate to speed quite quickly in that acceleration lane. That's what it's there for. I'm pretty uh, finicky on the merge process, and I moved over to the left. And then for some reason... I got distracted by a guy who was behind me once, behind me again, and looked like he was going to put the pedal to the metal and go around me. And guess what? In my haste to move over one more lane, I nearly ran somebody else off the road. I had the warning light on my side view mirror, did not see them at all. I was shaken for a solid eight, nine hours after I felt so bad that I had made that move and not seen that vehicle. And it was at speed, 80 kilometers an hour. Who knows what would have happened. So uh, even just remembering the fact that I made that move and cut that person off. If you're listening this morning, please forgive me. I feel absolutely horrible about it. But it could have been a disaster, McGarry. So text us at 204-780-6868. The driving mistakes that you got away with that you're thankful that you got away with. And we don't mean the ones where you skirted the law, where you broke the rules, like you were speeding and you're like, yeah, I didn't get caught. We mean like the ones where you go, thank, thankfully, no one got hurt. Because I think we've all had stories like that. So we've got Jeff Braun here, Jeff Forte, of course, Mackling McGarry McNabb, and Kelly Moore in for Cam Poitras. Mr. Moore, why don't we start with you, sir? Well, first off, I want to say, GMAC, you're forgiven for cutting me off the other day. And... <laughs> if I would have known it was you, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have finished off the job right with you. <laughs> Good to hear your voice. Good to have you back, hey, man. Uh, it's great to be back, man. Hey, you know, the um, this happened so many years ago. The exact details are a little fuzzy. But I remember it was I was uh, still a teenager uh, down on the mission of the Fraser Valley, and I remember I had my kid brother in the back of my 1976 Honda Civic, and I was driving from Hatsik Lake back home, and I don't know exactly why. I think I'd gone to pass a car and didn't realize there was a car coming in the other lane. This is on the Lowheed Highway, and so I had to swerve over, but the shoulder on the road, like to my left, this was to the far left, was a little soft. So we wound up going off the road. And I swear to God, we were like two inches away from a telephone pole when the car came to a stop. I don't know how we escaped being more severely injured than that. And I was able, once the road was clear, I was able to drive out of there on my own. I didn't even need to you know, have a tow truck or anything else like that. So there was some divine intervention coming along that way for sure. Jeff Braun. I'm coming south on Route 90 from Red River College going home. This was like 20 years ago, going home from college. And you know where the road curves, where uh, Route 90 sort of forks off there, just uh, north of Ness. And I'm going around one of these corners about 70 or whatever it is there and it's during rush hour and it's winter and I'm in the far right lane and I take the corner a little too fast and I do a 180 as I cross all four lanes and I come to a stop pointing in the wrong direction across the other side of the road and just by the grace of God 
it was rush hour, but there were no cars around me while that happened. There was a wall of cars coming towards me, and I had to quickly get my car turned around again and headed in the right direction. But to this day, I, I just can't believe that there weren't any other cars nearby for me to smash into. Forte. Uh, heading down Portage Avenue, heading towards Portage in Maine. Um, I was heading almost at the intersection of Carleton, just about to go through Carleton. And for some reason, I wasn't looking at the lights at Carleton. I was looking at the lights on Hargrave, which were green, and Carleton was red. And so I went through a red light, totally didn't know it up until I heard a honk and looked up. And I went, oh, I'm going through a red. Like, I was so close from, you know, if this person was going through the intersection, I would have T-boned them. It was... It's one of those things where you get so scared and, like, you're shaking. You're shaking for, you know, uh, Greg, how long were you shaking for after uh, your little incident there? Well, Jackie got home about uh, 7.30 that night, and when I went to bed around 8.30, I apologized to her because I'd been completely silent all night, and I told her what happened. And I said, I'm still I'm, I'm still bothered by it. It was, yeah, almost nine hours later. Yeah, I know where I'm going down Porch now. I'm looking at each light, like, which intersection I'm about to hit, so... uh yeah, it's scary. Hey, Kelly, Don is weighing in at 204-780-6868 saying, come on, Kelly, if it was when you were a teenager, it must have happened in a chariot. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, Don, are you related to Jeff Braun? <laughs> Jeff's dad. Um, Loren, what about you? Well, I get the feeling that Forche and Greg and all of you have about that, where it sticks with you. I still take this curve on Highway 16 when heading back to Minidosa and remember the time that the Cordova that I was in just hit some black ice and did about two 360s before it came to a stop. And so the heart races even when I pass through that corner, and I still tell that story frequently. But if I can, I'm just going to lighten it a little bit about getting away in another way. And I don't want to out this family member, but... This person was in the station wagon that we called the Green Boat in Minidosa. It was huge. They were in charge of taking some people to a baseball game in the nearby town of Bethany, and they hit the ditch and went in partway to a, into a slough, a pond, right? Cars covered. I don't know how they managed to get it out, but they did. Then this sibling of mine, I'm now going to name him as a sibling, had the wherewithal to not only take it to the gas station to wash it, to clean off all the mud, but then took it back out to the dirt roads to add more dirt, you know, like dust to it, because otherwise it was going to be noticeable. They thought they were a genius, pull into the garage. Of course, it's a small town, man. You can't get away with anything. My dad pulls up, walks into the garage, pops the hood and said, you should have thought to clean the engine. And the engine, it's covered with cattails and stubble and all sorts of stuff. And so they didn't get away with it. That's my story of not getting away with it on more of a grounding sense, Brett. So just because these stories can be a little traumatic, I thought I'd end it with that one. And, of course, yours. What's yours? I'll share mine at 7.15 uh, because it was uh... – <laughs> It, I, I think I might need to talk to the doctor about narcolepsy because I, I have fallen asleep at the wheel on more than one occasion, and that's oh, no. probably not safe. 204-780-6868. We want to hear your stories, the driving gaffes that you got away with, or perhaps, like Loren, the ones that maybe you did not get away with. Mackling was on Chief Pegwas a few days ago, swerved into a lane, almost ran somebody off the road, just made a mistake, Thankfully, no one was hurt, and I think we've all had moments like that. For example, there was one, this goes back, oh boy, 20 years now, I think. This is when I was still working at, yes, at Taco Bell, and I had a second job at Jersey City at Polo Park. I don't know, I know they, there is a Jersey City now on the main floor, but it used to be on the second floor where there is now a general nutrition center. They had that big Winnipeg Blue Bomber helmet over top of the counter, and uh, I had worked... The night before, I worked till 4 a.m. at Taco Bell on a Friday night, and then Saturday, 10 to 6, so I got, like, no sleep. So I'm driving home to uh, back to Transcona from Polo Park, and I'm approaching Plessy's on Regent, so I'm heading eastbound, and I nodded off, and I woke up as traffic was slowing because the light was about to turn red, and I just... I. I reacted like a, a stunt driver. I took evasive action. I dove. I, I'm driving my parents' Pontiac 6000 LE, the cease meal. I dive into the left turn lane and then as to go around the car in front of me that had stopped so that I can then go back into the main lane and just blow through the light. I had no choice but to just blow through the light. I mean, that seemed like at the time in my fog... <laughs> 
like the best decision to make. Wow. No one got hurt. I didn't crash the car, didn't hit the guy. No one was coming through the intersection. I was lucky, lucky, lucky. No doubt about that. Uh, Loren, when you hear stories like that, does your skin crawl? Do you get the, some of the stories we're getting on text right now are really disturbing. Just, you know, inches here or a foot there. And we might be uh, talking about a news story here. Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's just that split-second moment. It might be the split-second to which someone else almost hit you, but they pulled away in time. Or in Brett's case, right, you went through the light, but maybe that was the thing that made sense uh, at the time as you make these choices in a matter of milliseconds. And so, yeah, some of the stories are really incredible. Do I have time to read one right now that came from a listener about an incident 10 years ago? They were driving to work. The road seemed fine, they write. Driving speed limit the whole time. Talking to my husband on Bluetooth, who was also driving to Winnipeg. Got to the corner by Tinker Town, and the car started spinning out of control due to black ice. I was able to keep control of the vehicle, but was not able to avoid hitting the other car beside me. My husband, because he's on the phone, heard me scream, and then the call cut out because my car sensed the accident and immediately called 911. The other driver was fine, and I was fine, aside for some bruising, but 10 minutes later, of course, my husband came to the scene in his car, completely upset. She's warming up in the back seat, and uh, her husband went in to try to help her out, and so the story continues, and, and there's apparently more to that close call, so we'll bring it to you when we get it, guys. Breakfast of the Bombers coming up in a moment, but first we must complete the driving story that we began just at 721. Loren, what do we got? Yeah, so she explained that she was in the car at Tinkertown and their car swerved out of control. And of course, she was on the Bluetooth with her husband at the time. And so he hears her scream and the call cuts out. And so he follows up behind her uh, on highway number one and she goes into his car to warm up. Well, guess what? She goes on to say in her text that she was warming up in the backseat of his vehicle with no seatbelt on. And while the husband was looking at the ditch to get the vehicle registration out of the car that was in the ditch, she looks in the rearview mirror at his car to see another car spinning out of control as it comes up behind. It hits her husband's vehicle from behind so hard, the battery popped out of the car onto the road. So technically, she was in two accidents in two different vehicles within 30 minutes of each other. They rode off not one, but two vehicles in that period of time. Both of them walked away. Good Lord. Great story. Sorry you went through it, but thank you very much for sharing that. Keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868, the driving whoopsie daisies that you got away with without getting hurt where no one was hurt for your chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza gift card $20 worth coming up just after 9.15 Greg what do we got at 8.35 8.35 we're going to tell you why if you think you're having a heart attack don't drive yourself to the hospital call 911 we'll tell you just how many people every year make the decision to drive instead of call an ambulance and why that time is absolutely so critical for your not only survival, but for your long-term health following your cardiac event. It is Tuesday just after 7.30, which means what, Jeff Forte? It means Breakfast with the Bombers. Brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Now, our guest this morning has yet to wear the blue and gold, but he has already become a solid ambassador for the team with his declaration, quote, this is a team people want to play for. Yeah, and people want to see him play. Ed Tate at BlueBombers.com, not alone in calling Bryant Mitchell one of the most intriguing signings of the CFL free agency that just came earlier this month. The last team Mitchell suited up for just won the Super Bowl. Mitchell last played a regular season pro game versus the Blue Bombers as a member of the Edmonton Football Club. He then joined the Arizona Cardinals following that 2018 season. And then he then caught on with the Buccaneers where... A moment in time, Greg, really changed that trajectory of his career. Yeah, we say good morning to Blue Bombers wide receiver Bryant Mitchell. Hey, Bryant, we appreciate the early morning start. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. And uh, that moment in time that I'm talking about was preceded with a completed fa- uh, pass. Pardon me. Your fifth <laughs> catch of that preseason game versus the Steelers. And then pop. What happened, Bryant? Uh, you know, it's funny, as I was running, uh, you know, I just felt this pop in my, you know, the back of my leg. And, you know, at first I thought it was someone, you know, tripping me. And, you know, come to find out it was my Achilles. Yeah, an Achilles tendon injury is not easy to come back from. I mean, what have you learned about yourself over the past 18 months or so? Well, you know what? Uh, I believe I learned uh, even more patience. 
You know, uh, I, I think that, you know, my time in Edmonton taught me a lot of patience. Uh, but I think I learned even more patience and, you know, trusting in God, relying on God, you know, for everything. Not just, you know, uh, the things, you know, in, in terms of things he can give, but also in the things, you know, spiritually. Faith, a big part of your life, Brian, but also you use the word there, patience, which I think is key because, you know, we had this pandemic, you've had to endure the injury. And then, of course, you're the father, uh, you're a father of three sons, including five year old twin boys. So I'm guessing patience is pretty key in parenting, particularly during this pandemic. How has this uh, impacted your relationship with them as a dad as you have maybe more time? Yeah, no, you know, I think that it's grown tremendously. Uh, you know, being someone who's played football uh, really my whole adult life, my oldest son, you know, he's 10. And uh, being 10, you know, he's only known me to play football. So I've been able to spend more time with him. Um, I've been able to, you know, spend more time with my twin boys, uh, you know, just in, in terms of getting to know them, to do different things. Uh, you know, and, and to learn what they like, what they don't like, you know, even the more. You know, it's easy and it's surface to call on the phone and, you know, hey, how you doing? But, you know, quality time is so important in, in any relationship, you know, uh, when when I'm praying to God or when, you know, if I'm, you know, getting married and, you know, you have a wife or a husband, um, you know, that quality time is so important to truly get to know somebody. So I think that, you know, it's been beneficial and that's building quality time. I think some of us, if not all of us are trying to find the silver cloud and what we've been through over the last year, Bryant, with regard to the pandemic. So is that the blessing for you, this gift of time that you wouldn't otherwise have have had with your boys? Oh, oh my goodness. Yes, definitely. You know, um, I've been able to, you know, move around a little bit, um, you know, and spending that time, uh, I've been able to, you know, just really, in my opinion, be impactful to my children. Uh, I've been able to, you know, spend more time with God, as I said uh, earlier, you know, it's like those things are what's important to me. And so, you know, being able to do all those things, spend time with the church, um, you know, do some more things uh, to help my family. Those things for me have have been a blessing. Now, you mentioned, we mentioned off the top, your uh, strong statement about the Blue Bombers, calling them a team that people want to play for. What made you decide on the Blue Bombers? You know, uh, truly the family culture that's here. I'm a big family guy. Um, So the culture that they have built, the, 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 the amount of guys who reached out to me, um, you know, who truly just said, hey, you know, um, we would love to have you here. You know, we would love to go to war with you. And I think that in any war, you know, you want to be able to trust the guy next to you. And it made me feel like, you know what, I can go to war with these guys and, 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 and feel comfortable. And I just feel comfortable but to enjoy it. And so for me, that was huge. Played a huge part, um, you know, and it made me want to <laughs> come be a part of something so special. Have you seen any of the footage of the Grey Cup celebration from November 2019? Uh, yeah, you know, I actually have a, a couple of guys that I knew on that team. Um, so it was definitely exciting to see them go and get their, you know, their first Grey Cup. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I've definitely seen it. You know, I definitely kept up with the league uh, when I left. That was something that was, you know, very important is that I kept up with the league. Obviously, at the time, it was, you know, me going for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. But, um, I mean, even in that, uh, being able to see the guys that I knew around the league, it was exciting. And, you know, I was happy for those guys. Well, we want you to set a reminder on your phone, the Blue Bomber Winter Special tonight, 6.30 to 9 on 680 CGOB. Bryant Mitchell, welcome to the Bombers. Thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it, sir. Oh, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you guys. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb just got to quickly mention the question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. What do you think of the Village Project? Many homes downtown to provide shelter to the homeless community. And 52% say won't solve anything. 24% say it will help. 
and I hope they do more, and 24% say it might help. So you can cast your vote, cjob.com. We'll get a new question up for you soon at cjob.com. In the meantime, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and U.S. President Joe Biden will hold a mini-summit today. It will be virtual, of course. Each leader will bring along some key members of their cabinet. Our chief political correspondent, David Aiken, is tracking this important meeting and joins us now live. David, what can we expect today? Well, you know, anytime the, uh, these two countries get together, Canada, the U.S., lots to talk about, and today's going to be no different. Not a lot of time, though, to get to things. They're only going to meet for about 90 minutes, starting at 4 Eastern. It'll be Trudeau, Biden, video conference, and they'll also be joined by, you know, some key members of each leader's cabinet. So they're going to talk about defense, for example. they got NATO, NORAD, cybersecurity, also important some defense issues. So on our side, Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan will be in on things, Public Safety Minister Bill Blair, and on the U.S. side, remember most of these cabinet members are pretty new. They've just been essentially uh, confirmed by the U.S. Senate. So that Secretary, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, the Homeland Security uh, uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorka, they'll talk. Climate change is a big deal for both Biden and Trudeau. Biden particularly, big change from uh, Donald Trump. Biden has brought the United States back into the Paris uh, Accord on climate change. So uh, Biden will have his point person on the file. That's John Kerry, uh, the former Secretary of State. He's the he's Biden's special envoy. We'll have John Wilkinson, our environment minister. And economy, of course. I mean, economy, economy, economy. Two billion dollars worth of trade goes over this border every single day. And, uh, there are some trade irritants. One of them right now for the Trudeau side is Biden's insistence on a buy America policy. And this idea is Biden says, you know, we're going to spend any money the federal government in the United States spends on infrastructure and recovery should go to American firms. And I think what you'll see the Trudeau side say is, listen, back in 0809, then Prime Minister Stephen Harper managed to get a carve out on Buy American for Canada uh, from Barack Obama. And who was Obama's VP? A guy named Joe Biden. So, you know, the idea that our economies both work a lot better when we have open borders and rules based trading systems, that that'll be a key message for the Trudeau side today. Uh, this is the first formal bilateral meeting Biden will have uh, held since becoming president. As Selena Meyer on Veep would remind us, it's always Canada. <laughs> the fact that it is with uh, with our country, David, what does that tell us about yeah, the U.S.-Canada relationship? It's always Canada, and that's a normal, boring, dull thing. And that actually is what makes this meeting so remarkable. Listen, we've just come through four years of Donald Trump in which the U.S.'s foreign relations were, you know, tempestuous at, at the least, sometimes hostile between the U.S. and its, you know, its best friends, including Canada. So the fact that Biden's first official bilateral is with America's best friend and biggest trading partner, Canada, that says to the rest of the world, hey, uh, Relations with the U.S. are going back to the way they were conducted for most of the period after the Second World War, which is a commitment to, again, best friends and allies, to multilateralism, international cooperation. And that wasn't the way it was under Donald Trump. He was all about America first and blowing up uh, the way things were. And Biden wants to set a new tone. So for the Biden administration, this is actually a little more important meeting because it is the first one. It's sending a message to the rest of the world that America is going back, you know, maybe to the dull old ways of doing things, and it's Canada, 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 as it probably should be. Yeah, it's a key relationship, and you know, there's other relationships that might get dis discussed today, David. After eight, we're going to talk about that vote in the House of Commons yesterday mm -hmm. on the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims and, and the push to call it a genocide, and I know China might be on the table as well, just with the detention of the two Michaels, and so once this meeting concludes, there'll be some sort of joint statement issue if time, does China come up? And then do we actually expect anything as a result of this 90-minute virtual conference between the two leaders? Well, yeah, no, first of all, China is definitely going to come up, but it's in this context. It's not, you know, let's talk specifically about Meng and the two Michaels. It'll be, th that case is part of a broader issue on 
China and human rights. And that gets you to the Uyghurs. That gets you to the uh, Hong Kong democracy activists. It's something Biden wants to confront China about, something that the prime minister, Trudeau, wants to confront China about. And Trudeau, in fact, brought this up, you know, the broader human rights question uh, last week when the G7 leaders met, and that would have included Biden as well as, you know, Macron from France and Johnson from the UK. So Trudeau's already on record saying this is an important issue for everyone in the G7, and you can expect Biden and Trudeau to follow up on that. Uh, will there be some specific grand announcement at the conclusion, say, on the Hmong case or anything else? No, don't look for that. And again, that goes back to what I was talking about, which is uh, they will stand there and say nice things about each other. They'll talk about the importance of the Canada-U.S. friendship, the importance of working internationally, cooperation. That's all the, the dull, normal, boring stuff. And that's exactly what makes it a remarkable meeting, because, again, after four years of Trump, we are now getting back to this. There won't be a tweet storm, you know, from one side or the other going nuts here. There won't be any drama. And that actually is what I think Canada wants in the Canada-U.S. relationship. It's what the rest of the world wants is a little more normal, a little more less heat. And so, no, no big announcement. Expect these cabinet ministers, uh, you know, to, to leave the meeting and go off and work on their files, and we might hear something later. But these two leaders just want to set the broad tone today, and that's why it'll just be a lot of probably bromides. But for a lot of people, that's that's just fine. Global's chief political correspondent is David Aiken, joining us live on 680 CJOB. David, thank you as always, sir. Hey, thanks, guys. Cheers. Mackling McGarry McNabb text message from Steph. At 204-780-6868 on the near misses we've experienced while driving. Steph says, I think a lot of drivers go through accident scenes on the highway way too fast. The law is 60 kilometers an hour. We're in passing in a 100 kilometer an hour zone. I've had many close calls working on emergency scenes where people drive by way too fast on icy roads. I was working on a scene one day. Driver was coming through way too fast. I motioned for them to slow down. So when they hit the brakes, they immediately locked up and they were like a hockey puck going down the road. That's from Steph, who signs herself as a concerned medic. And she adds, I feel the whites of their eyes Mm. were absolutely huge when she got hit the brakes and realized she couldn't stop. I've been there too. You hit the brakes and the car locks up. This is before when I used to drive the mighty Taurus. It called it the Mighty Taurus because it was anything but mighty. Piece of, piece of <laughs> oh, it was an ironic nickname? Yeah, piece of garbage. But yeah, I locked uh, locked up the brakes and just the white, I could feel the whites of my eyes just bulging out of my face as I came within millimeters of hitting someone. So Did you read uh, Robbie's uh, traveling on Highway 317 on a summer Friday in her white Mustang convertible? Very wide curve on the road before the stop sign at Highway 59. I was driving the speed limit of probably 80 to 90, and there was no traffic around. I went right through that stop sign and ended up in the middle of Highway 59. It happened so fast that I sat there. I was in shock, then realized that I could have been in a very, very serious accident with so many people heading out to cottage country. Well, someone or something was taking care of me that evening. That shock's a very real thing. You're in the middle of the road and you know you're not supposed to be there, but you just came through something and you're not thinking something else could still happen, right? So yes, I've been there and lots of people have. These stories are incredible. I'm so thankful people are are okay. 204-780-6868. Tell us a story. Chance to win to Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card coming up just after 9.15. And coming up just after 9.35, we're going to continue the conversation on Black History Month. We're going to visit with our friend A.Y. DeSenator. He heads up an organization called Africanad. Their latest Black History Month magazine is now out. We'll tell you about that and we'll get some insight uh, with from him because he is not just a proud Canadian, but he's also a proud African. He's from Nigeria, so we want to get his perspective as well on what is happening with the unrest back home. But in the meantime, on the subject of driving, uh, it seems like common sense advice. If you think you're having a heart attack, just call 911. Yeah, because thousands of Manitobans do have that experience of having that heart attack. Manitoba's Cardiac Center of Excellence at St. Boniface Hospital treats 700 patients with major heart attacks every year. And then almost three times that might have a less severe cardiac event or heart attack. So again, Greg, thousands of people going through this. The number of people who drive themselves to hospital, Loren, and are in fact suffering a heart attack is alarming. And the type of care which you're missing out on is critical. Our next guest.
guest is here to help us understand why we should be placing that three-digit phone call. Dr. John Dukas is a cardiologist at St. Boniface Hospital and an associate professor of medicine at the University of Manitoba. Good morning, Dr. Dukas. Good morning. So how common is it for people who are suffering a heart attack to get to the hospital not in an ambulance? Oh, uh, well... Most people don't take the ambulance. Most people uh, have uh, decided to drive on themselves. Though interestingly, in the last year or so with COVID and also some of the closures of the emergency rooms, our ambulance numbers have gone up a little bit. But we're, for many years, about one out of three people would call an ambulance. That's crazy to consider. That's that's a huge number. And I, I guess... Why? I mean, is, is it the theory that they'll get there faster or are they not realizing what might go on in the ambulance? Because the ambulance is such a key part of this care in that life and death moment, Dr. Dugas. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of it's denial. Uh, people don't, you know, they don't want to believe they're having a heart attack. And so they're going to go and just get checked out. That's some of it. Uh, some of it is a false belief that they'll get there faster. They will not. So, uh, but the sad thing about it is, about one out of every 20 people, once the heart attack starts, in the first hour or so, will suddenly die. And if you're in an ambulance on a heart monitor, the paramedics can start up your heart. If you're in your car, you will crash, you may kill somebody, and you will die. What are the uh, the risks of driving yourself or someone else driving you to a hospital? Well, the risk is that, as I said, about one out of 20 people that start having a heart attack, their heart will suddenly stop. Uh, I have had, I've taken care of patients where the wife was driving the, the husband into the hospital and in the car stopped, you know, his heart stopped and needed CPR and an ambulance was called to get the car. I took care of another patient who was driving into the hospital and he crashed into one of the city ambulance stations. And the reason he survived was the ambulance drivers came out and started up his heart and then brought him to the hospital. Wow. So that's the big fear. Uh, Dr. Dukas, technology has become such an in- integral part of cardiac care. Talk about the head start you receive if you are, in fact, having a heart attack and you have a benefit of having paramedics come to you. Yeah, well, there's more to it than just your heart stopping. The other is... To understand what a heart attack is, it's a sudden blockage of the heart artery, which is causing heart damage. And we have a saying that time is muscle. And the longer it takes to unblock that artery, the more damage to your heart, the more chance you end up with heart failure, the more chance you end up, you know, with fluid retention the rest of your life and be disabled. The way we treat the heart attack is to unblock that artery. And St. Boniface Hospital is the only place in the province that we have that technology to directly unblock the artery with a balloon treatment called angioplasty. Now, if you live far away from the hospital, we still can treat people with heart attacks with a drug, a clot-busting drug, and again, to get rid of the blood clot. So you want that blood clot removed as fast as possible. Our statistics with the dialing 911 are amazing. In 68 minutes from the from first medical contact with a paramedic, your artery will be unblocked in our hospital. If you go to an emergency room, it's twice that. It's just because it takes so long to get assessed, to get an ECG, to get another ambulance to bring you to St. Boniface. It's a huge difference. Your artery will be unblocked in about half the time. You have so many numbers to back this up, and yet I'm, I'm sure there are people sitting at home thinking, well, hang on, in a rural setting, I might be, feel like I'm very far from that hospital. I'm not sure if there are stats to back that up in terms of how that factors into this decision, doctor. You know, if I live in a, a small town that's still an hour or so away from hospital, and maybe the ambulance isn't even in my community, is that part of the problem that there's that, that belief that they're still going to be faster? And, and is there that urban-rural divide a bit? Uh, we have worked hard to make sure that the near-rural near uh, ambulance service can bring the patients directly from the home to St. Boniface Hospital. And we have a rule that if it's about a 100-minute transport time, which is a big circle around Winnipeg, most of our population in Manitoba does live nearby Winnipeg, 
the ambulance service will do the ECG in the patient's home and bring the patient directly to the hospital. The average time for an ambulance to get to your house rural setting is probably about 10-15 minutes. Now there are times that you that you can't do that, that uh, the ambulance will bring the patient to the nearest hospital. But I've treated patients there the ambulance brought the patient to the nearest hospital, and at the same time they called STARS, the uh, helicopter service, the medical helicopter service, to go and pick up the patient from the rural hospital and bring the patient to St. Boniface. So we have a system in the province to deal with this in, in all circumstances. Even for First Nation sites, we have plans in place for this. Sometimes people have heart attacks, they don't even know they're having heart attacks. Like my dad once thought he was experiencing indigestion. Turns out he was having a mild heart attack. So what are some of the signs of heart attack that we should learn to recognize? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, funny symptoms that people get, but, you know, the majority of people have chest discomfort or pain, something in the chest, arms, throat, neck that hurts or is very uncomfortable, often with sweating, often with nausea and vomiting, trouble breathing, you know, uh, but yes, it's true. Some people have very unusual symptoms too. The thing is, if you're not sure Dial 911, the person on the phone will ask you the questions that need to be asked and will help figure it out. You don't have to sit there and try to figure it out. You don't have to be a doctor. Call 911 and they'll help you get to the decision that needs to be made. I think some people are are nervous about the production that it causes on their front street. Even the fire truck comes, the ambulance comes. It it, it is quite a production, but well worth that call. We're going to delve into this much deeper this Thursday at noon. We're hosting an event for St. Boniface Hospital Foundation donors. It's called the Health Report 2.0. And you can get in on this seminar by listening. Because you were listening this morning, we're going to send this out to you as well. You can check out the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation Twitter account, SBH Foundation, and follow the links or shoot us a text or an email, 204-780-6868, or send Brett, Loren, or I an email. We will get you the link so that you can join us this Thursday. Dr. Dukas, thank you for your time this morning, and we'll see you on Thursday. You're welcome. Stay safe. Mackling McGarry McNabb question of the day at CJOB.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. And the question at CJOB.com, there is moderate to severe drought in parts of Manitoba. Would you like to see more snow? Or are you ready for spring? Yes, more playtime in the snow. Yes, my job counts on it and we need the moisture. Or no, spring now, please. And the options leading the way, no, spring now, please, at 67%. Whereas 33% say yes, more playtime in the snow. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put that poll up on Twitter, at 680CJOB. And on our Instagram, we are asking you the question, have you ever driven yourself to the hospital when you shouldn't have? So make sure you follow us on Instagram as well, uh, particularly to see an amusing video from Christian O'Mell, who uh, highlighted yesterday how nice it was. <laughs> Went out into his patio and shoveled off the snow in his chair and sat down and had himself a cold one. Listen to this text from Jody. At 204-780-6868, we're asking you to send us your driving near misses for a chance to win $20 gift card for Santa Lucia. Jody says, I'm, um, I'm not known for my driving skills. I ran over an elderly woman. I ran over an elderly woman who jumped out in front of my vehicle from behind a van on Academy. I backed up off of her, and she was pretty much fine. We went to her house, turned off her stove, and waited for the ambulance and fire trucks. I had to report this incident to the police, and on my way back, I drove my brother's car. <laughs> I drove my brother's car off the Jubilee overpass. <laughs> it was a write-off. On the bright, bright side, no one perished. Jeez. I missed that part when I first read this because I was so focused on the fact that Jody ran someone over. So I said, you ran her over and she was okay? And Jody says, her hearing aid popped out and she may have cracked her hip, but she was able to get home. I actually got out of the vehicle while on top of her and people who stopped at the scene were like, back up! Back up! So, 
Yeah. Yikes. Scary times it, for Jody. It's insane when you think of the stories people have, not just of being in their car, but maybe being a pedestrian like that and walking away unscathed. And you think, how is it possible that you were fine with that? There was another text from a listener who was on a bike on the highway and basically got clipped by a semi. And they said they could feel their arms vibrating for days afterwards. But in the end, there was really not that much matter a matter with them besides the anger that they felt for days of the, of the driver um, coming so close to them when they they were doing the right thing and the driver apparently never stopped and so wow like when you think of these near misses it's not just that maybe your car escaped unscathed it, it, the zero bruises for so many of these people that's insane GMAC, you got one? Yeah, I got one from Beth here about 20 years ago. I used to work in Portage La Prairie. I would get up very early to go to work. One particular morning, I was driving down NASA to turn on to Jubilee. All of a sudden, I didn't know where I was. And that's because I had driven right across Jubilee without stopping. Once I got across, nothing looked familiar to me. That's because it wasn't. That's not the way I go. Thank goodness no one was driving down Jubilee. She wished us a great day. Thanks for sharing that with us, Beth. 780-6868. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. It is time to give away our $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. You have shared some amazing stories on near misses while driving. Just harrowing stories. And I think we've all been there. We've all been in that position where just whether it was a mistake or just you hit some, like somebody in front of you did something and kicked up a bunch of snow on your face and that you lost control because you couldn't see. But, uh, Loren, we had a text from, was it, uh, was it Sheila? Or was it Diane? I I'm, I think I have the name wrong, so I do not want Sheila to be upset. So I'm just scrolling down for it now, so I apologize. I think it was Diane. I'm sorry. Hang on a second here. Uh, no, hang on. We're talking about the two misses? Yeah, the two misses. It is a Sheila. There okay. a couple of Sheilas, and this is, this is thank you to all the Sheilas <laughs> for sharing their stories with us this morning. Maybe it's something in the name. You might want to think about that. <laughs> if you're in um, Australia, that means something different altogether. <laughs> in any event, apologies to get all the Sheilas excited. This came from Sheila around 7.15 this morning that said 10 years ago she's driving to work to Winnipeg. They live a half hour outside the city. The road seemed fine. She's driving the speed limit. And the whole time, she's also talking to her husband on her Bluetooth, who was driving to Winnipeg to work, but was about 10 minutes behind her. She gets to the corner by Tinkertown. The car ahead of her started spinning out of control due to the black ice. She was not able to avoid hitting the other vehicle as a result. And so her husband then heard her scream because, of course, he's on the Bluetooth. And then the call cut out because the car is signaled to then call 911. Turns out she's fine. The other drivers are fine. There might have been some bruising. No problem. But then here it goes. Ten minutes later, my husband comes to the scene in his car, pulls over on the side of the road with his hazards on, and gets me to go warm up in the backseat of his vehicle. I'm not wearing a seatbelt, and I watch my husband go off into the ditch to pull out the registration out of my car because that's the one that crashed. Well, in the rearview mirror, she can see another car spinning out of control on the black ice. It hits his vehicle, which she's now in, so hard, the battery popped out onto the road. So she's not in just one, but two accidents, two different vehicles, both of them written off. She's fine. Two vehicles written off in 30 minutes in two crashes. And that story has me sweating. My palms are sweating <laughs> right now, Brett. So to the Sheila of this story, thank you. Greg, do you feel at all better about uh, what happened on Chief Pegos t- Trail a few days ago? Just a tiny bit. So thank you. It was uh, sort of therapeutic for me. I know you were worried about me with how bothered I was, but it really did shake me to my core. And I, I consider myself a decent driver. I feel terrible about putting that uh, person through what I did. But thank you, Brett. This was a great idea to uh, air the grievances and to air <laughs> these stories publicly. It's uh, been therapeutic for a lot of us, I think. And apologies to Diane. We, see, this is what happens. We get so many awesome stories that even as we, like, once we make our decision, I, I was trying to remember, oh, did we go with Diane? Did we go with, with Sheila? Did we go with Jody? I don't well, know. But I yeah. went looking and there was another Sheila and I was like, oh my gosh, that is also a great story from the <laughs> other Sheila. And then I was then I was like, is this response Responsibility on me to pick which Sheila? It was on you. You did a good. You did well. You know, hi, my voice is getting Sheila. (laughs) 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, if you go to our 680 CJOB Instagram in our story, you will see a picture of this man and his big smiling face. Black History Month would not be complete for us if we did not have a chat with our next guest. He is a performer. He is a community activist. He's a mental health advisor. He's just an all-around nice, happy, positive guy. His name is Ayodele Odeyemi, but we know him as A.Y. De Senator. Hello, Mr. Senator. Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys doing the dynamic trio? We're doing the dynamic trio. I love it. We're doing great, man. Thanks so much for joining us. So listen, we'll start with um, you're you're the head of an organization known as Africanad. The website, by the way, is africanad.ca. You can download this year's edition of the Black History Month magazine that you've put together and learn about all the cool stuff you guys are doing on that website. But refresh our memories. What is Africanad? Thank you for that question. Africanet is an idea that popped up some years ago, came just like a vision. It's a business. It's an art. Africanet is developed to help brands that are of Canadians that have black history, that have black heritage, to creatively communicate products and experiences through visually appealing content experiential marketing with interviews vis-a-vis, you know, media platform, connecting people, entertaining people, educating people, and empowering all Canadians, especially those that are of African heritage. And we do this through many mediums, as you can see. I like your use of the word empowering, A.Y. And by the way, hello, it's been a while since we talked to you. So as Brett said, thanks for taking the time. I've been waiting for that voice. That is the, the, the real angel in between those two big guns. Did he say angel? Oh boy, I don't think I've been called that too many times, but I'll take it. I'll take that all the way to the bank. abound. <laughs> I don't know how they sound with you in between. You know, you are the real cheese in between those cakes. Yeah? Okay, cheese, angel, whatever. It all sounds good to me. Listen, you talked about empowerment, and, and you have so many wonderful stories uh, within the magazine that you use, the, the magazine team, and also just within your organization. But it's also been a really challenging year with Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 and all the questions it, it raised and conversations that started. So how are you feeling now as you kind of look back on 2020 and all that emerged from that? Wow. That question, uh, uh, if I have to answer it honestly, we will not leave this place. But the truth matter is... Black life still matters. The question why the movement started, we are just unraveling and we are getting there. We are still way, 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 way off resolving why the initiative, why the movement started. Somebody say all life matters. Yes, I agree with you. All life matters. But if all life matters and skin will debar, skin will make someone not to be having access and equality to life or things that matters, then it's not a matter of all life matters. If five of us, you, me, Mike, everyone gather together and somebody is about to serve us food and your plates are full, my plate is empty and I'm calling, please, I need food and they're looking at me, do, all, do all, we all need food? No. You, you should be, all other callers should be grateful they don't need to raise any movement to tell their story that our life matters. You know, there's a lot of inequalities, imbalances, injustice that have really thrown this, you know, or, or life shouldn't be this hard. If you go everywhere, you know, I don't know why, but I can tell you that it's getting better. It's not like before, but if these didn't come up, the word Black Lives Matter will not, the agitation will not come up. Why they're seeing the phone that the, uh, uh, the police, I love the police. They say, police are your friends. They are there for you. But when you see the mistreatment, when you see the way they treat different colors, when you see uh, the inappropriation, when you see uh, the, the way and manner in which they treat the, the brown skin, then you will know truly you need to support the movement and why they need to have uh, their life secured without you know, shouting or going on rampage or going for a walk or going for for whatever reason they're fighting this battle because I can't breathe. I can't breathe. That's 11 times being said and people watching. 
and the man was killed at the end of the day shouldn't have happened if all life matters, but truly black life matters. AY, uh, there are very few people that I know that are are more boisterous, more celebratory of about, first of all, who they are, and uh, celebratory and proud of being a Winnipegger, but also you're proud of where you're from, you're proud of your heritage, and that, of course, involves the fact that you were born with black skin, and so now that, that puts you, obviously, in a, in a different category visually for some people. What if we soften this message a little bit? Is it possible? You know, marketing is a powerful thing. What if we mm-hmm. stop talking about systemic racism and talk about systemic inequality? Do you think more ears would be open to that? You bet. You just nailed it. That is what... A- is happening in our society, you know, um, Canada has its own, uh, you know, peculiarity and difference in the way and manner that I don't want to mention the word, but that word is there, racism. The way and manner they are treating the blacks and the brown skin, if you could identify that actually it is internalized, actually is already in the system, actually is already everywhere, including schools, including workplace. It is the, a way of really making the, the world, uh, as you said, marketing. I stopped using the word black. I don't call myself black Canadian. As I said, I call myself an African-Canadian. You know, it's because the world is whole. It's a cake. Uh, why should we be distinguishing ourselves with colors? It's just one human race. So if you want to address me, just address me as an African-Canadian. If truly, I'm a Canadian, but if you want to, before you, you will still, the word should be eradicated to me. I feel uh, not offended, but I feel not well, you know, just enough past when you see me because I'm visible minority and you're still calling that word black, especially at workplace. If you want to refer to that, that guy, oh, you, you know, that uh, black guy. No, you know, even you, you want to be socially correct. Everybody, people are being hedgy, they are being careful, and and it shouldn't be if there has been no issues for this past year. So you're so right, it is in the system, and the system must fight it. We must all rise up to make sure that, you know, we all celebrate love, not hate. It's all about peace, not gun. And this is uh, what we all need to stand up to. AY, you're a proud Canadian, having lived here now a few years, but you're also, as you pointed out, a proud African. You're hailing from Nigeria. So how have you been feeling in recent times with all of the unrest that's happening oh, over there? The, the, the Nigerian situation is um, pathetic. It is troubling. I, I feel I cry every day because I still have my family. Some of my siblings are still back home. The unrest, the killings by it's it's everyday different issue. The government are not helping. They, you see them. How are you going to fight this kind of a battle where uh, injustice is perpetrated by your own people? There are t- different tribes. In you know, Nigeria, is made up of all over 250 different tribes, and the, the bringing them together is over 100 years. And uh, the history has it that the British that did this, they need to undo it. If people have to go their separate way, maybe they will live in peace. We will live at peace with each other. If we can't, then let them go their separate way. There's a lot of issues going on back home in Nigeria. And as, a, as, as, as one blood that has a Nigerian blood still flowing through him, I feel so bad and I cry every day. I pray every day. It's not about prayer. It's about the Western world. The, the, the likes of Canada, the likes of Trudeau to stand up to all this injustice, the killing is not stopping. They, you know, just a few days ago, Nigeria was listed, or a few weeks ago now, Nigeria has been listed on the Canada side that a place not to go. Why would I not want to just go visit because of the insecurity and killing? So there's a lot to be done by the Western world to help a country that is the, the vastly the most populous African nation, over 200 million people, they need help. 
And that's a lot to carry, A.Y., and, and here you are, as Greg said, you know, one of the most positive people we know, both in the celebration of your culture and your history, but the two nations that you've embraced. And as part of that, you not just have uh, African Canada um, in your magazine, you also have the Summer Festival that, like so many festivals, had to be cancelled last year. So I'm imagining you're trying to figure out, will you even be able to put that on this year? And and what kind of stress is that adding for you? The, the, that is not a ball game entirely. It brought in a lot of mental stress. Uh, we, we spent a lot of money last year because last year could have been a make, not a break alone, a make and a break true for us because we, 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 we wanted to have a three-in-one event last year, not just the carnival. We want to have an African business summit, bringing in people from all over Africa that are business setups we know that want to invest into business over here. And we already had a plan all settled, even from Europe, and also sport and everything. But everything went down the drain, thanks to, and no thanks to COVID. Uh, well, we're still living, and we're still bringing, so we're thankful we're here. When you're still living, we'll still hope. Who knows what will happen this year? We don't know yet. But I can assure you that we have plans in place should in case we cannot meet physically, maybe virtually, we're going to do something uh, because the world is turning to be a virtual world and it is here. That's why I can't come into the studio today, do We are doing it over the phone. Maybe we're going to be having that too virtually, but we hope for that things will turn out and we can have this beautiful event that brings together all culture, food, dance and music. The website is africanad.ca. His name is A.Y. DeSenator. Make sure you go to the website if you want to read the magazine. You can just download it right there. A.Y., thank you so much for joining us to talk about Black History Month and, and for giving us some insight into what's going on in your world. We appreciate your time. It is a pleasure. Thank you, the Dynamic Trio. CJOV is the radio station to hear anytime, baby. I love you guys. <laughs> hey, why did Senator yes. joining us live? On I'm Angel, I'm a cheese. This is the station to listen to. Does that make us what a quesadilla? <laughs> well, if, if you're the cheese. You know what? That's what it's going to be called from now on. Would anyone like an angel quesadilla? Here I am. I feel like someone's going to turn that into something wrong, so I should probably just leave it. But It's Mackling, McGarry, and Angel Cheese McNabb with Jeff Forte. we got to check your not pork. marble. <laughs> Oh, that's just (laughs) awful. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.